0: Oh, arise. Uh, arise, my love arise. God singing. Singing arise, my love arise. Singing Jesus out of that tomb into new life into resurrection. God singing arise, my love arise. And the truth of the matter is God doesn't just sing that song to Jesus. God sings that song to you. Each and every one of you arise arise my love arise and sometimes that news is just too good to be true it's hard for us to take it in god singing to you god singing to me arise my love arise can you receive it can you take it in can it fill you up with light can you hear god singing to you it's not always an easy task To hear that song, amidst all the other music we hear, against all the other voices we hear, it's not always an easy task to hear that. Arise, my love. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Mary comes to the tomb that day. Mary, because she loves Jesus, love brings her there in grief and sorrow because she knows that there's a dead body there. She knows that there's a stone across the tomb. She knows that this is how she knows herself. This is where she belongs. She's defined herself in relationship with Jesus, who for her now is a dead body. So she knows what to expect. She goes looking and searching. She goes looking and searching. Then all of a sudden Jesus says to her, "'Arise, my love.'" And it's too much for her to understand. She can't get it quite right. You know, some of us, when Jesus comes singing, Arise, my love, to us, we kind of say, Jesus, I'm not ready for you. Get back into that tomb. Why don't you come back next week? Maybe I'll be ready for you next month or next year. You know, it's just so much. It's overwhelming to us. Arise, right now, arise. New life, new freedom, new you in me, in the love I have for you. Arise, my love. You know, sometimes it's just too much, and Mary can't take it in right away, just like we can't take it in right away. It is hope beyond our imagination. It's hope we dare not believe. And so in this, in this moment, she is confused about who this is speaking to her. And Jesus makes it clear, calls her name, and says, Arise, Mary. And as she does that, she does what you do with someone you love. She reaches out to hold on to him. To give him that hug of someone you thought was long gone to hang on. Because it's been hurting. She reaches out to Jesus to hang on to that love. And as she reaches out to him, Jesus says, Oh no, all the categories have been broken open. I'm not the same anymore. You can't hold me. You can't cling to me in that way. You know, how many of you want to cling to Jesus in the way you learned when you were two years old or three years old? How many of you want to cling to Jesus how you want Jesus to be? Mary's trying to hold on to that she knew. And Jesus says to her, oh no, the whole thing has shifted. It is no longer the same. You can't hold me that way. It is more than you can imagine. It is hope beyond all possibilities. Arise, Mary. Go. And she goes and she tells the story. It's a journey for us. It's a journey for us to hear those words sung to us. It's a journey to actually believe it can be true that there's hope beyond hope, hope beyond our imagination where possibilities are open to us and to the world that we can see transformation now. It's a hope we long for, yet we just have to really work to find it. We don't even know how to spell it. You know? Well, one of my favorite iconic Fictional characters, which some of you may know, too. His name is Harry Potter. He had to learn about this kind of hope. He didn't know what it was when he started off. You know, because he thought what life was was living under a staircase in a cupboard with a family named the Dursleys that said, we love you, but then treated him like he didn't belong there. I don't know if you know families like that. Say they love you, but treat you like you don't belong there. And that's what he knew about life and love, and that's what he knew about hope. And so as the story progresses through the multiple books, and I read each book right when it came out, maybe you did too. I also saw every movie, and I do own them as well. (laughs) And Walter and I did go to Universal and went to Potterverse, (laughs) or wherever that was, in Florida. But you know, in the story, as he tries to figure out who he is outside of that family that has told him he doesn't belong, and has in so many ways said that he's not enough. He gets to a place where he has to learn a lesson about what it means to be happy and what it means to be hopeful. And as he learns the lesson, the teacher's trying to tell him, hold on to something, figure out a time when you were happy, and so he has to look and search. And he picks a memory, and the, and the professor says to him, use to that, tap into that power, and now let's do it. And so Harry tries, you know, and it doesn't work. It fails, and the professor says, well, what were you thinking about? And Harry he says, the first time I learned to ride a broom. First time I learned to write a broom. And the professor says, oh, that's not strong enough. You've got to base it on something more than that. It has to have some power in it. And it can't just be happy. It has to be deeper. And so Harry he searches his mind and he thinks, he conjures a memory of what he would have liked. And the memory is that of the faces of his parents that he never knew. So he thinks of his mother and his father that never got to love him in the way that he had longed for. And in that memory, he's able to succeed. He says to the professor, you know, it's not really happy, but it's powerful. It's a little bit deeper than happy. And at that time, in the classroom setting, he's able to be able to cast that spell which what it does is it gets rid of all of those creatures that are trying to suck the joy out of you. Suck the joy out of life. You have been around some of those creatures trying to suck the joy right out of life? Well, as the story continues, as the story continues, that threat gets greater. There's more of those creatures trying to suck the joy out of your life. And there's a moment when Harry meets his godfather, whose name is Sirius. Didn't know he had a godfather didn't know he had this person who he was to later call uncle and in that moment in time he feels a different kind of happiness and all of a sudden this this godfather says you know what you do not have to live with those people who say you don't belong anymore you can come and live with me and you will be loved and you will be cherished and so this happens just before you see this picture up here. This happens just earlier in this, in this story that he gets this news that there's a place, there's a place that he can hope to go where he will be loved and not be under the staircase anymore. And so it comes time and what you see in this scene is you see a body down on the shore which is Sirius's body who he loves. And what Harry taps into in this moment in time is the hope of a home where he belongs, and he's able to cast out all of those things that would suck the joy out of life. Oh, it's a little bit deeper than being happy. It's having a hope that carries you through even the dark times. It's a hope that you can tap into even when you are told that your relationship is ending, even when you are diagnosed with a new medical condition, even when you lose the job that you had been so counting on, even when this is the kind of hope that helps cast out all those things that would suck the joy right out of you. Some of us don't even know how to spell that kind of hope. Hope got crucified a long time ago, and we're not so sure how to claim it back. But God's singing out to us, singing out, Arise! Arise, my love. When Mary saw Jesus, the love that brought her to the tomb, the love that brought her to that place, got connected to hope. And love and hope met, and there was resurrection. Where love and hope met, the despair fell away, and life be able to be lived again. There are some doctors that went to a medical convention, this is a while back, and they both had the same clinical trials they were doing, because you have to do this in multiple locations to test it out and make sure the the drugs are working the way they're supposed to. And as they were comparing the results, they're both getting ready to present before this conference at the School of Oncology. And the one doctor saying to the other, I don't get it, I don't understand. We followed, we used the same drugs, we used the same protocol, we gave them the same amounts and along the same time frame. And, and your uh, case, you have 74% success rate. I only have 22% success rate. I don't know what the difference is. What's the difference? Why, in your setting, are you getting 74% and I'm only getting 22%? That's like statistically crazy for people who have metastatic lung cancer, for that to be the case. And so the doctor who has the more success rate says, you know, we've been giving them these powerful, powerful drugs. Let me read the names to you because I can't say them without looking. The drugs are etoposide, platinol, oncovin, and hydroxyurea. Thank you, (laughs) thank you. And the doctor with success said, you know, I looked at your literature and you call yours EPOH. I call mine hope. I tell the patients that there's a bit of a chance. It's a hard one and these drugs will take it out of you. But I tell them I'm giving them hope. The difference between 22% and 74%. I'm giving them hope. Do we know how to spell it? Can we spell it for ourselves? Can we claim it in in such power that it gives us that much capacity and ability to hear God sing to us? "Arise, my love? Arise. Can we do it in that kind of way? Sometimes we don't even know we're living in the cupboard. We don't even know that what's being offered to us isn't cherished love and wonderful amazement at the beautiful creation we are, right? We don't even know that that's the case. I worked for 53 years of my life for the United Methodist Church. Uh, Not worked for them, but lived in there, baptized in there, grew in there. It was my family, my family of faith, United Methodist Church, until a year and a half ago I did that work. And until I left that place, and came to this place called Resurrection, I did not realize that I was living in the cupboard. They said, yeah, Troy, we love you, but you're not good enough. We won't marry you. You know, we won't make you an official United Methodist clergy person. We won't do any of these other things. But yeah, we do love you. I don't know if any of you came from those traditions where they said they love you, but... Right? And sometimes you've been there so long you don't even know you're living in the cupboard. I didn't even know how to spell hope. You know? And it's taken me a year with you guys. You know, resurrection sometimes doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> right? It can take a while for those, those hope words, that hope medication to get in around your soul so that you are resurrected fully and completely. But I want to tell you, when love and hope meet, resurrection is what happens when love and hope meet. And I've seen it in you. And if you haven't seen it in me, you're not looking close enough. (laughs) Not looking close enough. Resurrection, where love and hope meet. The limits that we thought were upon us for healing, for possibility are gone. We give way to new possibilities. Even companies can get this, not just churches and loving people that we expect to, but corporations can sometimes experience those moments. You kind of wonder what's happening. I don't know about you, but as a kid, I had s'mores. Did you ever have s'mores? You know, I love it because, you know, Harry Potter, the only way to get yourself healed from one of those chores he was doing about tapping into hope was to eat chocolate That was how you healed was you ate chocolate. And so s'mores, you know, you got those graham crackers and you got that chocolate in there and those marshmallows. You know, they kind of say love, don't they? When you put all that together, it just kind of says love. When you put it around a campfire and people that you care about, you know, it's just kind of love, you know, and sometimes even you can maybe tap into more than that, something deeper than that, something that's hope that conquers death. But that company that made those graham crackers, which I made those s'mores all our life, just did something recently different. And I want you to see if you can tell what it is. Here's their recent commercial. (laughs) No matter how things change, what makes us wholesome never will. made. Everyday wholesome snacks for every wholesome family. This is wholesome. Oh my. The first time I saw that commercial I noticed the s'mores. And then I, I thought, was that a, at the very end? Was that like a, a, a same-sex family, same-gender family, two guys and their children? And I had to wait till I saw it again. And said, yeah, it was. And they're saying that this is wholesome. And then I watched the commercial again. Really, really good because also there was a, a same-gender family and there was also an interracial couple. And then I looked at it even further and there was also this guy all covered in tattoos. You know, and so this commercial is saying, you know, all of these things. Look at the love in these families. Look at the love right here in these families. Look at the love. And they put it out there in hope, and they say, this is wholesome. Did you ever know you were working your whole life just to be wholesome? (laughs) You know, this is wholesome. Well, you know, sometimes when resurrection happens like that, some people are really, really working hard to put Jesus back in the tomb. Not let him loose, you know. So they got some responses to this that were less than you would hope for. And so, a, and so they didn't know quite what to do with these responses. So I want you to see what they finally decided to do with these responses that you and I may get every day of our life. See what Honeymaid did. Love and hope meet, we have resurrection. Resurrection that turns fear into love. Resurrection that turns limits into possibilities. Resurrection that turns despair into hope. Resurrection every time we let love and hope meet. And it can happen today, now, in our week, in our family. Resurrection that turns the world upside down, where God sings, sings to us in commercials and throughout all of creation, arise, arise, my beloved, arise, the song is for you. Even as resurrection continues, where love and hope meet like that, things happen like the walls fall and new communities are developed, things that we don't even expect happen. Hope beyond our imagination when love and hope meets. Wow! Resurrection. In our community this week, something wonderful happened. We collected all those 328 signatures, which you can still sign if you want to, for an equality ordinance here in Houston. And I got to be a part of a group taking those city hall. You saw the video of that, but you didn't hear what I said as I did that. I said, we want you to know that these are voices of faith. These are people who practice their religion faithfully. This is from a Christian church who says equality matters for lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people, and we join with all of these other folks together in a community we may not have imagined—a community where people of faith, church folk, were with political folk, were with log cabin Republicans, were with Texans Together's, were with Equality Texas. We were also with the other group—I can't remember its name—Gay um, and Lesbian Political Caucus. And more, somehow love met hope, and resurrection occurred, the walls fell, and a new community developed that said, no, God's singing to everyone, arise, my love, arise, my love. When at the beginning of Holy Week, two Jewish community centers were bombed this very last week. Muslims and Christians gathered together with Buddhists and agnostics and humanists to say, this is wrong. And they built a new community that was based on greater love. A greater love that had a vision of hope. A vision of hope where today somewhere a soldier is packing up his bags and going home because peace has arrived. Today a family is waking up and they didn't hear gunshots last night because peace has arrived. They know that kind of love meeting hope where action has taken place in such a way that God's song is being sung. Arise, my love. Arise. We are that people here at Resurrection. It's our name. Has in your life this week love met hope? Did you have eyes to see? Did you let it flow in? Because sometimes it takes time to grow into it. It may take a year. It may take a couple of years. It may take your whole life. But God will sing to you over and over and over again until you know that resurrection for yourself. Love meets hope. And resurrection occurs for each and every one of us. Despair turns into hope. Limits turn into possibilities. Walls fall and communities grow. Resurrection right now. Thanks be to God who continues to sing over and over and over again.